Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Elise Fitzpatrick and Eric Shoemaker are co-authors of Worthy, Celebrating the Value of Women. Here's what Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler have to say about the book. In a world where womanhood is simultaneously worshipped and despised, Elise and Eric explain a woman's worth straight from Scripture. With chapters filled with compassion and hard questions, they challenge readers to develop a robust view of women in redemptive history. Besides being an author, Elise Fitzpatrick is co-host of the podcast Front Porch with the Fitzes. Eric is a pastor, a songwriter, and a Johnny Cash superfan. Elise Fitzpatrick and Eric Shoemaker, thank you so much for making time to be on the Habit Podcast. Thank Glad you. So you all uh, co-wrote Worthy, celebrating the value of women. Did I get that? Did I get that uh, subtitle right? That's correct. Um, how did y'all end up teaming up on this project? Well, like most good things, it started with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so sometime in uh, early 2018, I had tweeted out a string of uh, women who were the first to do something uh, you know, significant in Scripture, mm-hmm. uh, the first person to do something. And uh, Gospel Coalition asked me to turn that into an article. And so I turned it into an article, and Elise and her family have a wild and crazy podcast called uh-huh. Front Porch with the Fitzes. Uh-huh. And they asked if I would come on that to talk about um, that article. And Elise said, this should be turned into a book. And I said, you should write it with me. Uh-huh. And uh, a few months later, we reconnected and uh, wrote a proposal. And that's how it came to be. Uh-huh. So y'all, had not, y'all didn't know each other before you came on Elise's podcast? We'd interacted a little bit over social media, yeah. but I think that's the first time we'd talked. Yeah. So, and I think we met face to face in person after maybe half of it was written. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I was at a conference somewhere, Minneapolis, Yeah. somewhere like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some, some Midwest sort of place. Um, and, uh, and Eric drove in to, uh, so we could meet. Uh-huh. I think that was the first time we yeah. ever met. Yeah. yeah, I try to keep this uh, this um, podcast on the subject of writing, and I've as I've been thinking about what, um, in other words, not just talking about the contents of your book, but how how does the the experience of writing the book, um, what can we learn? What what can other writers uh, learn about that? And one thing I've been thinking about as I've been thinking about your book is the idea of how important it is to pay attention to what's actually in front of us that as you know the great enemy one of the great enemies of good writing is stereotype categories you know it's so easy to to sort of in so much of our life we simplify our life by thinking in terms of categories rather than thinking in terms of of individuals or thinking of what's literally in front of us we kind of we've got these categories to kind of put people in little categories and then we can get on with our day um, and the gift of the writer, I think, is to is to make a stop and not do that. And I think I think that's relevant to what y'all are what y'all have done um, in this book to to make us you know stop and say let's actually pay attention to women in scripture and, and women elsewhere um, 
not as a category, but as as people who have done important things. And, and are, are, I mean, can, can you talk about that a little bit? I've, um, I have a background in counseling. So I have probably 30 years of real humans, real persons, mm-hmm. um, women that I have spent time with, tried to counsel, get to know, uh, try to help. And so for me, uh, a lot of what I was doing when I was writing this book was I was writing to those women uh-huh. that, I, that I know when I talk to them about a topic like this, they break out into tears. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to do. And I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily stereotypical, but you know, there's a certain category of, of women that I have spent a lot of my uh, professional life with. And I was trying to think, what would, what do these women need to hear from me? Yeah. What, what would they love to know about how God loves and uses even very broken people? Yeah. I, I love that, uh, the way you're talking in terms of, of thinking of your audience you know, being so clear on who your audience is. And as you write to those people that you have in mind, you're going to have something to say to people beyond that little audience. Exactly. You know, my little audience, uh, I think, uh, is multiplied thousandfold sure. uh, around the country, around the world of women who uh, really need to hear that they're valued by God. And so many of them don't know that. Yeah. I mean, they really don't know it. And when they hear, for instance, uh, a very dear friend of mine, when she first heard uh, our little podcast that we did with Eric and read the 21 ways that God used women in redemption history, she she wept. She said, I can't believe this is true. Hmm. Wow. So that's who I was trying to write to. Yeah. Eric, I know just from from following you on social media the last couple of years, you've been uh, uh, a real voice in uh, talking about um, the 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 truth about the um, about women and 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 their place in in the church and and uh, how did you how did you what happened to to put you in that put that top of mind for you? That's a great question. Um... I've been trying to trace that journey myself. Uh, I think part of it comes out of having been in places of personal burnout and suffering Uh where I didn't feel like I was listened to or cared about um, or protected, that sort of thing. And maybe the Lord put me through some things where he helped me understand what it's like to be overlooked. Um, And at some point, I I started thinking about the issue of manhood and womanhood and just wondering, you know, it had been a long time since I'd looked at that issue theologically in the scripture really in depth and had been thinking, this is probably something I should revisit. Mm-hmm. And then with the, um, well, of course, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for 17 years. There's a lot of women that I've pastored and mm-hmm. uh, heard feedback from them Um sometimes what's been helpful to them, sometimes ways I could be shepherding women better. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think it was with Rachel Den Hollander 
with her, uh, you know, standing up to Larry Nassar and the gymnastics community, the abuse happening there. And I read the article, I think was in Christianity Today, where she talked about how speaking up for sexual abuse victims, it cost her her church. And when I read her statement, I knew exactly what she meant. And Mm. I could see myself responding in those ways, though I hadn't been in that situation. And I could see the circles that I ran in responding in those ways. And I was heartbroken for her. I'm sorry, responding in those ways, you mean... Yeah, so Re- rejecting uh, the the victim the way that she was. Yeah, um, well, responding um, the the way the church responded to her, uh, uh-huh. she was uh, essentially told that uh, she was hyper concerned because she had been a victim when she was speaking out about against situations where there were concerns about sexual abuse and that she couldn't see things clearly, and she was doubted and those sorts of things. Uh-huh. And I just realized in the midst of that, uh, as Me Too and then Church Too were growing, I thought, I really need to stop and just listen to this. And so to your point about seeing what's actually in front of us, just saying, I'm going to lay aside my sort of knee-jerk reactions to these social movements, and uh, I'm a natural conservative, and sometimes these movements don't get listened to by conservatives. I just need to sit and listen. And then uh, listening to those stories online, and then especially Beth Moore's uh, letter to my brothers, Mm -hmm. where she talked about how she'd been treated in the church and at Christian events as a woman, it uh, it just made me realize there were things I was overlooking and not caring about. And so I felt like, um, you know, it's easy as a conservative Christian to sort of champion the theological and social issues that everyone expects you to. And no one's surprised when you speak out about traditional marriage or pro-life causes. And I I think we should, but uh, that's easy. And I decided that I wanted to be a man who was speaking out on the things I didn't hear other men, particularly pastors speaking out on. And so I wanted to be a male voice for my sister's, in these situations. And it's really become a passion of mine, uh, especially as I begin to look in the Bible and see how God has used women. Mm. How did you, how did the two of you work together on this, on this project? What, what was your actual, um, you know, process process that's the worst thank you <laughs> you should host this <laughs> now I really shouldn't. Uh, uh, you know, basically I, I Every book starts out one direction and then it ends up going different directions. Um, But I think that we had decided fairly early on that we were going to split the writing duties. And so Eric would take um, the Genesis account of creation, fall redemption, and then he would take um, uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus' birth death and resurrection. And then I would take whatever was left. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and and then along with that, you know, then it sort of morphed and we began to think, okay, well, we need, we need uh, appendices and Uh we need other people, um, 
giving us their testimony. And, and so it morphed into, into really quite a, a, quite a broad look at women in scripture beginning at Genesis and ending with Revelation, but then, um, but then just going along point by point and also having a bunch of appendices. And so what we would do, I think our process was we would write a chapter and send it to one another and make changes as we needed to. Um, it was actually, it was actually a very easy process. I've written a number of books with other people and this has been the easiest of the Uh processes uh probably because i didn't i wasn't the one that had to edit um eric he (laughs) edited himself he did a good job (laughs) so we're recording this a week before the book comes out and this will air a week after the book comes out um so have have y'all experienced uh resistance from people um who 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 haven't been excited about your, your project? Yeah, definitely. We definitely have. Um, we've had, uh, endorsers, people we respect and love, uh, our potential endorsers uh-huh. that we respect and love, uh, decline to endorse it, uh, including both, a, a complementarian scholar and an egalitarian scholar, uh-huh. uh, who both said, I really like what you're doing here. There's a lot we can say amen to, but, you make some strong statements that would confuse my audience if I endorse this book. Hmm. And um, we had a video, a spoken word piece. I don't know if you saw it by Kina Aragon. Yeah. Yeah, So that was one of our promotional pieces. And there's been uh, a lot of reaction to that. Uh, Uh Mostly good people who have loved it. Uh And then some who have expressed strong concerns about what she's saying in that video and I think mishearing her, uh-huh. but, um, you know, the, particularly from conservatives, uh, I think, um, we've heard a lot, you know, everything goes back to first Timothy two twelve. Paul saying, yeah. I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. And the first question a lot of complementarians ask is, are you saying women can be pastors? Or are you saying women can preach? And, I think we make a brief comment in our chapter on the church with some kind of snarky remark, like we're sure some of you flipped to this chapter to see what we think about this issue. As a <laughs> that was my snarky, that was my snarky <laughs> remark. Uh, I second it. Um, and I think that that's been a challenge in writing because we know that there's going to be some readers who will have sort of pet issues Mm -hmm. that the whole book will hinge on what we say about their one thing. And we both feel like the value of women is so much more than where you come down on gender roles, so to speak. And Uh so we both think you can have a church where women are allowed uh, to be pastors uh, and you can have an environment that dishonors women and likewise, you may have a church that has uh, men only as pastors and is honoring to women, and, and vice versa. Uh, sin doesn't necessarily know a theological camp. It, hmm. it shows up everywhere. And so to write in a way that, um, like Elise said, thinking about who we want to reach with this book and not always be writing on guard against uh a small group yeah. of people we know are going to critique us yeah. uh, can be a challenge. Yeah. So how did you deal with it? 
Well, um, at, at least for me, I can say that uh, it, it was very much, I'll tell you the temptation on both sides. The temptation on one side would be to all the time going back over and over and over again saying, I, this is what I believe, don't call me egalitarian, whatever. That, that was a temptation on one side where I was very much um, and am concerned about whether or not people are going to be able to hear what we're saying without automatically broad brushing us. And then sort of on the other side of, you know, uh, ignoring or being afraid, trying to protect uh, my reputation, uh, being afraid to say what needs to be said, you know. So all of the time I felt like, at least in my own heart, there was this guardedness um, because I know what a hot button issue this is. And, uh, and it's, and it's a concern to me. I just, uh, last weekend, um, had a, had a conversation with someone and I'm scheduled to speak on this topic in a few months, um, for, for a woman and, uh, at her organization. And she, she said that there are people on her board that are stepping off the board um, because of the spoken word piece by Kina. And they haven't even read the book yet. Uh -huh. But there's this, there's this um, uh, knee-jerk reaction to, if you say anything at all about the value of women, um, you're automatically, and Kina even says this in her spoken word video, you're automatically labeled as a liberal or a feminist, or, you know, that there's that broad brush. And whereas what we're saying is um, women have value and these are the ways that they were used by God because he values and honors them. And, and we need to take a, a respectful look at this. I think it's very difficult for people to get away from their hot buttons and, yeah. and to try to say, okay, I, I want to have a respectful conversation. That's what we're trying to do. Um, but I, I find it difficult and the book hasn't even come out yet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, it, it's interesting. I, you, you keep, I keep hearing these labels and categories in the way you talk about, you know, complementarianism, egalitarianism, feminism, liberalism, conservatism, you know, we have all these isms mm -hmm. um, that I feel like they're, they're really getting in the way of, of coming, to, coming to, to grips with reality, with truth, with, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting that, that, you're, that you're trying to say something that, that's, that seems more or less unimpeachable, the idea that, that God values women. Um, yeah. and yet for some reason we value our isms more than we, we value ball truth. It's been a lesson in, I think this whole issue is a lesson in conversation and civility in some ways, because even as Elise and I might have our own personal theological opinion on, on how this gets fleshed out in the church and practice, uh, we're both of the persuasion that there are people on all sides of those practical matters who take scripture very seriously mm -hmm. and they're not throwing it out the window. 
and we want to learn from them mm-hmm. in the same way that we'd want to learn from people in different denominations, that sort of thing. And for some reason on this issue, um, that seems to almost be impossible. It's really hard to have a respectful conversation without categorizing people, which, which camp do you fall into? And I get concerned even about saying, you know, even having to affirm a complementarian stance in our book that we somehow imply that egalitarians are, uh, unorthodox and evil because we Mm -hmm. certainly don't think that at all. There are friends, uh, in the gospel Mm -hmm. and, so it's it's really struck me, even as I share things on social media and glimpses of the book come out, to hear how people categorize us when they haven't heard what we're actually saying and what we have said doesn't necessitate that interpretation. Yeah. It's I, I think this is in the book somewhere, but a friend of mine wrote to me as he was reading uh something in the book. And he wrote back and said, you know, some of these issues, he said, have become a sort of lazy litmus test for me, rather than getting to know a person and hearing their heart and what they believe and actually say, it's a shortcut for me to say, what do you think about this one issue? And then I can embrace them or write them off entirely based on that. It's, it's, it's laziness. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always, talked about writing and, and the, the the gift of the writer is is giving people helping people escape those kinds of of categories but as you're as you're discovering it's I, people like their categories um, and they um, and as as much as I um, in principle uh, believe in the power of writing to sort of awaken people to you know to to something beyond their pre predisposed category stereotypes, whatever. Um, boy, there are a lot of forces arrayed against that kind of intellectual honesty. You know, there really are. And I think that we're living in a time where people really like being um, aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it just seems like you can, you can just say something like, my goodness, isn't the sky blue? And then somebody's going to take that, you know, well, what, you don't like clouds? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it, we're living in this time where people, um, in some ways, it's almost as though if you enter into, and I don't, Kali, I don't want to say that everybody's this way. I don't think they are. But there are a lot of people who don't even want to enter into a dialogue about whether or not, um, or even try to understand what we're saying. Um, and, and I had a very similar uh, experience a few years ago when I began to read, and to my shame, I had, I had never read Martin Luther King, uh, his letters from a Birmingham jail. Yeah. Um, I had... And I, and I read Ta-Nehisi Coates, mm-hmm. and I read Brian Stevenson. And mm-hmm. then, in some ways, I, I began to understand, goodness gracious, I have been blind. Yeah. Um, and I would not have gone there had not my daughter 
said, mom, you got to start reading this stuff because you're not getting it. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was good for me. But I think I understand people are terrified that we're somehow going to give up truth, that we're in this mega battle of the ages, and we're going to give up truth by budging, by even listening to um, someone else who has a different opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's been very, very helpful to read egalitarians who hold scripture very highly and to yeah. see how they are honestly doing business without just saying, oh, you know, it's just Paul. He's just a, he's a misogynist. And they're not doing that. Uh-huh. They're really doing good work. And it's been so good for me to read them. But you see, my, I, 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 had, I had an openness of heart to even want to do that. And um, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's very concerning to me how everybody wants to fuss. <laughs> you know, there's there's like this lack of shalom. There's this lack of yeah. peace. And people love that. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they're drawn to, ooh, here's a here's a juicy morsel. I don't know. That that's kind of scary to me. And I, you mean that literally when you say it's scary? Yes. Yeah, I do. I it I do mean it because I can see that when you're like that, when you love to fuss, you're just two steps away from hitting somebody with your sign or a bat or something, you know, or tearing down someone's reputation, you know, just, just savaging someone's reputation that you have not even listened to. For instance, the other day on Facebook, I posted that I had gone to see Just Mercy which I think is a fabulous, fabulous film. And Great I said, I, I the I, oh, the film is so good. And I had read the book. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I was on Facebook and I said, I really want to encourage people to go see this movie. I think it'd be really great. And I was told that I was a, sh- a wolf in sheep's clothing and that I ought to start, I ought to start reading the Bible. Oh. And, and if I ever had, um, that kind really? of thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost slanderous and, you know, I don't take social media seriously. This is not a person I know or respect, but that's what concerns me that people are very interested in getting in a fight hmm. and they don't even want to hear what you have to say. Well, I think that's a, you know, I think what Elise was saying there is, is so right on, especially about, not having peace, uh, not having shalom. And I, I really do think there's a deep fear that is underneath our, unwi- our unwillingness to read and hear uh, honestly what people are writing and saying. And I think it comes down to um, what you think makes you right in the end with God. You know, I, I think uh, as a Christian, you know, I believe I have a Savior who lived for me and fulfilled God's righteousness for me. He died on the cross and bore my punishment for me. He's conquered the grave for me and being raised from the dead. And now I have a right standing with him based on his work by the grace of God and, and not my own. 
But I think deep in our hearts, we want to justify ourselves by being right. And we find a camp and we find a teacher and it tells us what's right and who's wrong. And if someone suggests there's something wrong with that, it strikes fear in us that we might not be okay if we're a little bit off in what we think. And I think fear, fear drives that because we're not resting in a grace that's greater than, greater than our works. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's, those are great insights. Thank you for those. All right, we, uh, we're coming close to the end of our time, so I've got to ask uh, one more question, and that is, who are the writers who make you want to write? Well, I don't want to write, so... Okay. <laughs> who are the writers who make it seem less painful? You know, I, I really love Lewis, of course. Uh-huh. So, so C.S. Lewis and, and Luther, um, I've, I've read Les Miserables probably five or six times. Mm-hmm. But you know, for me, I don't. I don't look at myself as a writer. I sort of look at myself as a counselor who writes, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's kind of that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right, Eric. Uh, you know, this is. This book coming out is is nonfiction, but all the people who make me want to write, that I can come to the top of my mind are fiction yeah. writers. Yeah, and uh, I. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Flannery O'Connor That's on your podcast. <laughs> so uh, taking your, your online course, writing with Flannery O'Connor, was that, was that it was titled? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That first time I'd read her and absolutely fell in love with her writing. Yeah. She makes me want to write uh, Wendell Berry, uh, Marilyn Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the way that all of those authors, I feel like give us uh true pictures of people yeah and that builds a sympathy for the world yeah i would have been very sad if the iowa boy hadn't mentioned marilyn robinson yeah <laughs> as are, you should be yeah are you an iowa native i am yeah okay yeah born right. and raised in a town that looks just like gilead <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all uh thank you so much for being on the the habit podcast um i would i would uh i wish y'all the best for this book and i i I hope that you will um, be committed uh, to the truth. <laughs> you know that you will uh, that you'll stand strong. Um, and so uh, I, I hope the best for y'all, and pray the best for y'all. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. I hope. All right. Thank you. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. This podcast was produced by More importantly, The Habit Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, 
rabbitroom.com slash donate.